Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. Today is day three. We are focusing this week on negotiating. I think it's interesting as this week has progressed. I think all of you are seeing the need to really become um, fantastic negotiators. It's one thing to negotiate in a seller's market where essentially FOMO is going to lead the buyer to pay and do pretty much whatever the seller demands. Um, that's not really negotiating at the end of the day. That's just order taking folks. And what we're going to be entering into is a time where you're going to have to negotiate constantly for everything. And I was just you know, I'm talking about like, for example, the type of negotiation you have to do with your children amplified by like 20. Like Zoe was just in here negotiating with me <laughs> to try to get her iPad before she finished her chores. And I was just amazed by how effective she is at trying to constantly negotiate every little tiny point. Very and that, persuasive. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. And by the, you know, I just had this conversation on a coaching call. <laughs> Uh, we were talking about lead follow-up and scripting and not giving up. And the analogy was, you know, and this client has little kids too, act like you're five and you want something, okay? Kids do not give up. They're so tenacious. They keep it going. They get creative. They negotiate with you. And why is it when we're adults, we're like, Oh, well, I guess this is not going to work out then. Well, I mean, she's eight and a half, not five, but well, still, I mean, yeah, kids. eight and a half when they start getting smarter and they've learned all your weak spots. I mean, you know, <laughs> honestly, she negotiated me down. I was planning on making it so she had to do some extra things today before she got to play with her iPad. And she just negotiated, negotiated, negotiated. And she knew I had a deadline because I had to do the podcast and she waited me out till finally she got her way. I mean, you know, that's, she's going to be an unbelievably good uh, negotiator. Whatever. That, that was a strategy though. That she, <laughs> she knew it. Exactly. <laughs> so when we're negotiating real estate guys, you've got to kind of think that way. Don't give up. One of the things, sorry, I interrupted your, your no. preamble there, but one of the things I was thinking about as I've been talking to the coaches about this, this has been very well received by our coaching clients. They love the pre-negotiation checklists as part of premier coaching. But one of the things that's come out is the fact that because it was such a hot seller's market, and if you're a listing agent and you didn't like somebody's offer, you just said no, just summarily rejected. Because you had 10 others. Because you had 10 others. Now, that has become so normalized to just say no, that when, and you were talking about this this morning, when you're maybe you're a little bit less experienced, you, you just say, oh no, I've got so many other offers coming in, or you reject something very quickly. People have forgotten to keep the deal alive, counteroffer everything, that well, sort of thing. They're going to be learning what they don't know on the job. And it's going to be very costly because not only are you going to lose deals, but you're if on the listing side of things, well, even on the buyer side of things, you're going to lose clients. And so if you think any of the things that you did to negotiate or what you thought was negotiating in the previous market are relevant now, they're just not. Um, and we did create... Uh, some uh, how many Julie four negotiation there's, checklists there's three one for the subject property one for the seller one for the buyer okay and those are sitting on premier coaching so premier coaching clients make sure you're downloading and using those and those will keep your head screwed on straight and don't be afraid to have your clients see that you're using our negotiation checklist they'll appreciate the fact that you're so thorough and so professional and by the way speaking of premier coaching clients um, I want to 
uh, give a special welcome to all of you that are getting into real estate or joining Premier Coaching that are first responders, that are EMT folks, that are teachers, that are, there's a lot of people that are in the military. Um, our sales team always, always giving me updates about what the backgrounds are of a lot of our new members. And there are a lot of people that are joining Premier Coaching that are coming from other careers and they're going to be in real estate and they're going to have their other careers. And I get it, guys, inflation, different economy. And you're being incredibly smart to get your momentum now because there's going to be a lot of opportunities created towards the end of this year and the following year for agents that have skills. So I just wanted to give a special welcome and a special acknowledgement to all those of you who are in service to our country, either forward deployed or frankly, just on the front lines and on uh, Main Street. And it's certainly appreciated. And we certainly appreciate you trusting us um, to be your real estate coaches. And for the rest of you, join Premier Coaching. It's free. You can join Premier Coaching right now simply by texting the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. When you do, you're going to get not only these checklists, but you're also going to get all just an absolute ton of material. Uh, the real estate treasure map, which is your fill in the blank business plan. You're going to get the real estate survival guide, the 90 day massive action plan. You're going to get a social networking plan. You're going to get all kinds of, you know, scripts, objection handlers, presentations, and you do get, and this is something I've had some people ask me about whether like these are recorded. No, they're live. You get a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our Harris certified coaches. That is all included 100% for free. Join Premier now. Just text the word Premier to 47372 or if you'd like you can just go to members.timandjulieharris.com members.timandjulieharris.com so julie today is part three that's right and it is all about the buyers we're talking about negotiation questions prior to getting in contract hopefully so what do you know about the buyer's priorities again it's important to use these strategies whether you're representing the buyer or the seller Negotiating is the give and take, ending in the agreeable resolution known as a contract. The more you know, the smoother your negotiation will be with less stress to you and your clients. Remember, knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. So get the knowledge before you try to negotiate. And there's five pretty quick points we'll go through here. Point number one, how interested is the buyer in this home on a scale of one to 10? 10 meaning they've got to have it no matter what, and one meaning they wouldn't care if somebody else bought it this evening. How do they rate their interest level? And it's okay to ask them that. Now, it's important that when you're using, um, when you're working with buyers, we do give you specific scripts to work with buyers from the very first time you meet with them. One of the scripts is called the floor model script. Again, Premier Coaching members, especially ask Coach Rochelle about these because she's an expert specifically on the buyer side of stuff. When Julie and I sold real estate, you know, years ago, decades ago now, she actually ran our buyer agent staff. And so there's a couple very specific scripts that get at the root of the buyer's motivation. But remember, and this is really important, there's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. Every single buyer wants to buy. That's the reason that if given a choice, whether you're going to focus on sellers or buyers, you always choose to focus on sellers because there are lots of examples, especially in a changing economy, where sellers absolutely positively have to sell. There's no choice. But every buyer can what? Decide not to move, decide to stay put, decide to stay renting, decide to stay in their own home, do a room addition. You guys get it. So no matter how motivated a buyer might seem, the most motivated buyer is never going to be as motivated as a motivated seller. Because again, interest rates go up, political winds blow this way or that way. Buyers take themselves out of the market all the time. But with that in mind, when you are working with buyers, which obviously we want you to, make sure you're working with buyers that are absolutely going to be motivated, starting with essentially, like Julie just said, when, they, when you discover the right house, 
Ask them, how are you going to feel if you find out, you know, an hour from now, somebody else put a contract on this property and purchased the house and you can no longer get it on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being it's an excruciating pain and one meaning you could care less. Where would you rate yourself and listen for their answer? And if it's a seven, which it'll always be a seven, then say, okay, I get it a seven. So just so that I'm clear, we walk away from this house. If this is the one you want to purchase and somebody else purchases it, it's only going to be an acute pain opposed to a deadly pain, acute being seven versus 10. And, and just want to make sure I'm clear about that. So I don't uh, let this opportunity to get, get by you guys. Um, and so you're not disappointed later. And then if you want to think about it for a little bit, as I show you the next house, Mr. Buyer, that's great. And then we'll maybe compare the next house we're about to see to the one that you guys really liked. You guys get it? Ask permission, give permission for them to purchase the house. Real estate sells itself. You don't sell real estate. Legally, you sell real estate, but you don't really sell real estate. Price, condition, location sells itself. You are never going to sell a house, new agents especially, listen to what I'm saying. There's no script on planet Earth which is going to get a buyer to buy a house that they don't want. Maybe an investor, I guess. But for the most part, no buyer is ever going to buy a house that they do not want. Um, so don't think you're having to do any high level coercion. All you're doing is giving the buyers permission to purchase the house. And it's incredibly important that you do that when you are constantly pulling the buyer for their level of motivation and interest in the house, and you're giving them permission to buy the house, you will sell a house to them. If you do not do that, they will fire you and blame you for never actually selling, selling them a house. Whereas the reality of it was you would have loved to, you just never actually had the courage to know what to say and how to say it. Remember knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. Point number two. Point number two. I'm glad you pointed that out because there are a lot of scripts in that buyer mastery section premiere. You know, we could go on for an endless podcast <laughs> about could. buyer scripts. Okay. So point number two, negotiation. Uh, how qualified is the buyer to actually buy the property? If they are all cash, <clears throat> excuse me, where is the cash coming from? If they're financed, call the lender and review the lender's letter. Are they pre-qualified, pre-approved or loan committed? By the way, I have a video about that that you guys can watch about the difference between pre-qualified, pre-approved, and loan committed. Uh, what contingencies are there? Are they comfortably in the price range that the lender has approved them for, or are they really stretching? What about the appraisal contingencies or waivers? Again, refer to our ultimate addendum if you're a premier coaching member, because there's a whole lot to that point. But really, we're talking about negotiation here. How qualified is the buyer to buy the property? Why does that matter? Well, if it's if they're going to have to go over list and waive the appraisal and they're already at their very upper limits of their price range, maybe you're offering on something that they shouldn't even get in contract on. So all of this is affected, right? And remember, if you've not absolutely positively drilled down, and I don't want to make this podcast about uh, lenders and lending letters and all the rest of it. We've done past podcasts and YouTube videos on essentially how to uh, discern whether a lender actually is going to be someone that you want to work with long-term or not. Not all lenders are the same, just like not all agents are the same. Um, go back and review that information. But here's just a little caveat. If anyone has not been fully approved subject to the appraisal, of whatever property they go into contract on, that can really be the only contingency that's left in the lender's approval. Every other aspect of their the buyer's ability to purchase has been very verified, checked, you know, side sealed and delivered other than essentially the subject property, um, passing muster as far as the appraisal price. Well, if you don't have a lender's letter like that, you need to get one. And if you have a lender's letter like that, or if you don't, and it's more than say 60 or 90 days old, you need to revisit the lender because that borrower's um, actual qualifications may have changed. Maybe their job employment, maybe their down payment, maybe their credit, 
Maybe something else has happened that the buyer's not aware of that's going to adversely affect their ability to actually get that loan approved. A lot of people, a lot of agents are spending a lot of time working with people that were qualified and approved maybe even 60, 90 days ago who aren't now and they don't know it. Please listen to what I'm telling you. Do not waste your time. Make sure you do your job. That's right. Point number three, how many homes do does the buyer have to choose from just like this one? Competing inventory can affect a buyer's interest level, time frame, and motivation. Know what's out there as an alternative to the subject property. That's important from the buyer side as well as from the listing side, especially those of you listing agents who think that you're going to push them around and say, nope, you know, you're going to have to come up to our price. Well, if that buyer has five other houses in mind to go see this afternoon, maybe you're not going to be as pushy with them. Does and that make sense? Yeah. And it goes to your first question too. Now, remember, we're gearing all these towards you working with the seller. And you can notice that all the Julie's questions are kind of slanted in that direction. But the reality of it is, is if you're working with a seller and you, you know, as a listing agent, you get an offer on a property and you think you're going to just fall back on your no full price, no inspections, no appraisals, you will not get that deal together because you did not take the time to realize that now you're competing against 10 other houses and there's three more coming for sale tomorrow. That is going to essentially give the buyers way more control, way more negotiating power, and your seller still might be able to sell the house for whatever their price is. They're just going to have to agree to the inspection. They're going to have to agree to some of the terms and conditions that the buyers have. You can still get the deals together if you know how to negotiate the deals, thus the topic that we're presenting to you guys this week. Next point, Julie. That's right. And inventory has been rising everywhere. Every single coaching call I had today, every single coaching client reports anywhere between 10 and about 40% increase in their local markets. By the way, guys, this type of slowdown is right now what we're experiencing is there'll be a sell-off of the inventory that's building for sure. It's going to most likely happen. And I'll give you guys a crystal ball prediction, but then I'll tell you why I think it's true. You're going to see inventory build. You're going to see a lot of, because a lot of buyers are waiting along the side, waiting along the edges, not just for the right homes to come for sale, but maybe they're just a little nervous about the economy. A lot of bad news about inflation. The, tomorrow we're going to learn that we're in a recession, even though it seems that the government may have changed the definition of recession, which frankly, I don't quite understand. But that aside, and the interest rates are going to go up. So there's a lot of people out there that are buyers. Remember, buyers never have to buy. There's such thing as a buyer that has to buy. So the buyers that are, you know, they're taking them, they're just taking a half step back. They're waiting for, you know, different things to settle down so they feel more secure and more safe to make a decision. They will, things, things will, they will, and you're going to see a sell-off of inventory happen after, and this is where you will see these traditional slowdowns throughout the year. After, usually, so we're basically at the beginning of August almost, and so you're going to be looking at a uh, return, you, you know, kids are going to go back to school next. That's going to be something that's also going to be a slowdown. People are going to go on vacations. August is typically a month where you see fewer sales or fewer sales, the sales velocity levels off because, you know, like the, I just said, people are focusing on kids going back to school, family vacations before kids go back to school. And then usually by the third week of August, you know, all that's settled out and then people start buying again. That is the cycle we're in right now, but it's going to be amplified on the downside for all the reasons that we know that's going on in the economy with interest rates and the uncertainty that's surrounding. I read an article today mm -hmm. that, uh, uh, what is it, Copolchi, what's the restaurant? Um, McDonald's and Chipotle. Chipotle yeah, no, I don't even know <laughs> what the hell it is. I had to translate. Mac McDonald's and Chipotle were re reporting that their in-store sales numbers are declining mm -hmm. and that people are, um, frankly, not going to McDonald's and Chipotle as often, or they're choosing a lower price alternative. And here's the reason that's interesting. It's because all the three major, really arguably four major recessions that you and I have uh, been, you know, adults and lived through, 
the the down the down trade was to go from a nice restaurant to McDonald's or Chipotle. So people would still eat out. They just wouldn't eat out at uh, the fancy restaurant, you know, that was maybe cost them, you know, 30 bucks or 40 bucks, whatever. Right. They're going to go to, you know, fast food and they're going to spend 20 bucks. Well, now what's happening are in Starbucks is going to report today. The restaurants where people were normally uh, essentially trading down to are now seeing a drop in their sales and they're seeing in their forward guidance. Uh, you know, stock market stuff it, are predicting even lower sales. So that tells me that people aren't not just uh, being very cautious about their money. They're stopping. They're not spending money on the things that, you know, essentially what they had normalized. And who doesn't like there's a lot of people that go to Chipotle every day for lunch. Well, not as many of them are going. Maybe they're going two days opposed to five days. Well, next thing they're going to start not going at all. And that's the nature of these types of cycles, because when people feel fear, what happens is they have a tendency to emotionally um, over prepare. And a lot of people are now feeling pressures and we're just starting on the onslaught of sort of the negative uh, momentum. And, and here's the reason this is good for you. I know this sounds crazy. It's because if you have knowledge and you then start to feel confident while everybody else is not knowing what direction to take, uh, you will know because you'll know how to solve other people's problems. You're going to know what's going on in the market because you've been paying attention to this podcast. You're going to have this almost um, ethereal uh, aura about you. There's some woo-woo for all of our friends in California, wink, wink, um, that people don't quite understand because while everyone else is feeling fear, you're confident. While everyone else is feeling fear, you don't have fear because you know you're in the market to help people solve problems and you're going to make a lot of money. While other agents are fearful, you can be opportunistic with the knowledge you have because they're not going to be going after uh, price reductions because they're not going to know what to say or how to say it. They're going to be losing deals. Those deals are going to result in more uh, frustration in the market, which means more expired listings, which means more opportunities for you if you know how to go after expired listings. You guys get it? Times of uncertainty always create opportunities for those of us who are prepared. Uh, I'm not saying be happy about it. And I'm not saying be, you know, I'm saying be excited about the opportunity um, and be considerate of the fact that there's a lot of people that are going to be experienced and are experiencing hardship. You know, don't be dispassionate um, just because you are prepared. Don't be braggadocious because you are prepared. Be in the position to help other people and understanding that that on the other side of that is everything you want in life when you're of service to other people. And as a premier coaching client, you'll have the skill set necessary. Then you'll have the confidence necessary. And then guys, you're going to, you know, you're going to tilt the earth in your favor like you've never experienced before. A lot of people will call it luck, but nope, it was your preparedness. So do the right thing. Do the thing that you know you need to do, which is really take your education to the next level. Text the word premier to 47372. Text the word premier to 47372, or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. And remember when texting message and data rates may apply. Next point, Julie. Next point, does the buyer have a contingency plan if this deal doesn't work out? Are they in a month-to-month -month lease, living with friends or family, corporate housing provided by their employer, living in an RV? What happens if they don't buy this one? Do you know the answer to that question? It might color your negotiations. Point number five, and we touched on this a minute ago, if required to go over list price to win and or guarantee the appraisal deficit, can they handle those add-ons in addition to their down payment? And has that discussion actually happened? Remember, most buyers just think they've got X amount of dollars to put down. They don't always factor into the fact they're going to have to close that appraisal gap or spend another additional five or 10 or 50 grand over list 
in order for that to work. You can't respend the same dollar. So that conversation has to happen. So in a negotiation, you just brought up a spark to memory, uh, a thought, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are used to uh, listeners having to tell your buyers that they're going to have to pay the price, even if the house doesn't appraise, effectively those days are over. Now what you're going to need to do is tell your sellers that they can't just set some arbitrary price and even if a buyer agrees to pay the arbitrary price, just, you know, the buyer puts it in contract, buyer doesn't know that they're paying more than, than the appraised price, you know, and you're thinking, well, that's the price. That's what the house is going to sell for. In other words, you're thinking like it's still the old market. What's going to happen is that buyer's appraiser is going to say house is not worth, you know, it's not worth 500. It's worth 400. Um, and again, from the listing side of things, you're used to have said saying, well, just pay the extra difference and it's your problem. That was what the deal was. You're not going to be able to get away with that anymore. So what's going to happen and this goes to negotiating is you might have to, you know, the seller might, especially in a transitioning market like this, you might have to take a price that's not realistic from the list as a, to get the listing because the sellers aren't quite ready to deal with reality or maybe reality hasn't quite settled into your market yet. You take the listing, you get it in contract. Now maybe it even goes in contract at a price that a price that's higher than appraisal. You need to be telling the seller that in the event that obviously the buyer's contingent on financing, the seller most likely is going to have to adjust their price down to match the appraisal price. And again, the days of those buyers or the sellers being able to dictate to the seller, the buyer, the terms with regards to things like that, they're over or going to be over in your market soon. Um, so need to be, again, negotiating, pre-negotiating in many cases by prepping the sellers for the new realities of how things are actually going to work. And if you think you're going to be able to accept uh, only offers where it's not contingent on financing, guess what? If it's contingent on financing, I'm sorry offers that are not contingent on appraisal, but are contingent on financing. Listen to what I'm saying. What you'll find is even if you think you're clever and you get a buyer to finally agree to accept the, um, you know, they're only contingent on financing, all other contingencies waived, the financing is going to be contingent on the uh, appraisal. And if the appraisal does not come in, they're not going to get the financing. You guys get the double-edged sword there. So you think you're being clever removing the financing contingency, but the reality of it is it's still in there because you've accepted I'm sorry, you, because you removed the appraisal contingency, but the reality of it is still in there because you accepted the financing contingency. Those of you who have been in the business for all know what I'm talking about. Yes. And that conversation that used to be that, you know, we're going to get the buyer to do whatever it takes, waive the appraisal, blah, blah, blah. That is now already getting replaced with an interesting conversation with the listing agent and the seller who says, well, what do you mean? I, I have to take this much less. Well, consider this. Let's say that you're a seller in Boise, Idaho that has appreciated slash inflated 71% in the past two years. So yes, you're having to take 5% less than we thought, but you're still doing pretty good. Can you tell me a stock that's done that good in the past two years? Here's I don't where think it, so. Here's where it gets dicey though. Yeah. What if that seller has refinanced right. and bought a boat? Yep. No, they're in Boise, Idaho. They bought a big RV. Yep. Okay, because it's Boise. <laughs> Maybe a, a boat. Sure. Some really high-end uh, mountain bikes. Yep. You know, for again, sure. we've been to Boise, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they their equity position isn't going to be enough to cover the um, you know the selling costs of the home. I mean, we're not there yet in most of the market. But that is a conversation, listeners, that probably none of you are familiar with, or even can fathom. And again, we're not seeing that happening uh, in large numbers. But could it happen? Absolutely. I just told you the truth that, uh, you know, all these restaurants are now, again, not fancy high-end restaurants, McDonald's for gosh sakes, they're reporting lower sales. That tells you 100% that people are cutting back. 
Now, if McDonald's then doesn't have a need for so many stores and so many employees, then they're going to start laying people off. If they start laying other people off and other people start laying other people off, then you're going to have pockets of you know communities, towns in your marketplace where you're going to have a lot of unemployment. And that unemployment is going to is going to result in less demand for local housing. Less demand for local housing could cause some actual depreciation on homes, losing actual value. And if a lot of that new construct was new construction where they didn't necessarily have a lot of down payment to begin with, uh, you're going to be back to where we were with a distressed real estate. Now, will it happen? It will. Will it happen in all 50 states and all price ranges? No, it won't. But you have to be prepared. This is the reason you join Premier Coaching. We prepare you for all different facets of what's possible. Again, knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. Well, that's right. And this is exactly why we are doing this podcast series this week about negotiation, because these are the types of things that we watch for our coaching clients, for our podcast listeners, because the, one of the overriding themes hopefully they're getting from this series is that not every negotiation is the same. You're going to come across sellers that did refinance all of their equity away. That's a different conversation. So pay attention, join Premier Coaching so you can get these checklists and you can have easier, less stressful negotiations. Thank you for your support, guys. Thank you, especially during uh, times like this for continuing to keep this the number one listen to daily podcast. Help us to make the YouTube channel an incredible success. Uh, it's over, you know, if you're not, if you're listening to us on the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and whatnot, Spotify, yeah, obviously continue to listen to us. We really appreciate it. But maybe also check us out over on YouTube. It's again, just search by Tim and Julie Harris. You'll easily find it. We have an ancient, um, you know, uh, URL, an ancient YouTube channel, but you'll find it. We're putting up new videos with lots of really embarrassing thumbnail pictures of Julie and I. Some of you have known us for a long time. will find them especially amusing because we really do a great job of making ourselves look foolish in those pictures <laughs> would you agree totally <laughs> but in the meantime you guys have a fantastic day we'll talk to you on the show tomorrow this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com <laughs>